Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 28. 1 Chronicles chapter 28. The context of this whole passage, and we're going to kind of read down through multiple verses in chapter 28 and in chapter 29. But the context of this is David, the great king, a man after God's own heart. He had a desire to build a temple for the Lord. Um, God wouldn't allow David to do that, but He was going to allow Solomon to do that. So here in these last couple chapters, 28 and 29, David is giving counsel to Israel. He's giving counsel to Solomon. And uh, we're just going to read a couple verses here and then get started. 1 Chronicles 28 and verse 9. The Bible says, And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father and serve him with a perfect heart. Don't, you, don't all of us want our children to know God for themselves? You know, not, not just pass on a religion, but pass on a relationship. Um, he says to serve him with a perfect heart and a willing mind. That is the title of this morning's message is a perfect heart, a willing mind. It says, for the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imagination, the thoughts. He said, if thou seek him, he will be found of thee. And if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Take heed now. For the Lord hath chosen thee to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Now that verse is uh, our verse, Wellsprings verse, for building uh, the new church building. Um, Praise God that He's uh, allowed us to pay for the land and we've got that and, and now we're being strong and doing it to build a church building. But there's more, there's more to the Christian life than church buildings, <laughs> by far. And there's more to a relationship with God uh, in your heart than anything that, that, that could be built with man's hands, for sure. But here in this context, he's telling Solomon, hey, be strong and do this. Be strong. And, and David encourages Solomon for what he's about to ask him to do. He encourages him in two ways here. He encourages Solomon verbally. Look at verse 20 of chapter 28. He says, And David said to Solomon his son, Be strong and of good courage and do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed, for the Lord thy God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. What encouragement. I mean, can you imagine that sort of encouragement saying, hey, hey son, God's going to be with you. God's going to, He's not going to forsake you. He's got a per- He said He has a job for Solomon to do. Didn't that give you purpose? He says, hey, God's got a job for you to do. He's got a work for you to do. And He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you, Solomon, until it's happened. 
Isn't it, isn't it good to get verbal encouragement every now and again? Hey, if, if, if you're not real good at giving a verbal encouragement, maybe to friends or family members and stuff like that, I would work on it. It can help. It can truthfully help to hey say, hey, hey, God is with you. If we're, hey, if we're a believer, if we're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that His Spirit dwells inside of us. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So you with confidence can say, God is with you. He's never going to leave you nor forsake you. He said He's going to seal us till the day of redemption. That's what the Bible says. He gives them a verbal encouragement. The Bible does tell us to esteem others better than ourselves in Philippians, doesn't it? As we begin to look at each other and see their, their purpose in the body of Christ, as we begin to see them as, as how they help, and then, then we can sincerely encourage verbally. But he doesn't just encourage Solomon ver- verbally. He helps him out monetarily. He gives him money. And all of us, I think, by this point in time in our lives has figured out that that money is a big motivator, isn't it? I mean, no one will go to work for compliments, will they? After a while, you're like, okay, the compliments are nice, but where's the paycheck? Look at verse 3 of chapter 29. He says, Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of my God. This is David talking. He said, my affections are set on the house of God. You know, Colossians 3.2 tells us to set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth. David said, because I, I love this thing, I love the work that is ahead of you, Solomon. He said, I have given of my own proper good of gold and silver. Even I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. Even 3,000 talents of of gold, gold of Ophir, and 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls thereof. David says, hey, I'm not just going to encourage you, Solomon, by... I mean, he gives him a big job to do. He lets a, he, but he says, hey, my, my donation is going to help out, Solomon. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to help out here. I'm worried about, I'm interested in the next generation. I'm interested in this work going on and Israel being great for God. My calculations uh, of David's donation here, gold at present day being 1080 an ounce, silver 14 an ounce, David gave here about $3 billion dollars. He said, hey, I'm going to get in on this. I'm going to get a part of this. I want to see this thing. You know, in some ways, he set his son up for success. He says, hey, God's not going to let me build this thing, but hey, my heart is for it, and I want your heart to be for it, Solomon. So I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to help you for this. And then he tells him this. He says that this work, this work that we're doing is great, Solomon. Look at verse 1 of chapter 29. Again, we're just going to kind of read down through these passages until we take off here. It says, Furthermore, David, the king, said unto the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great. For the palace is not for man, but for the Lord. Hey, Why is this work great? Why is this work great that God's called Solomon to? David said, this thing is great because it's not for man. It's for God. 
And I think that that is good for all of us to recognize the church, although we get lots of benefits from it. We do. Church is not for us. It's for God. This church is, we come here, our first purpose, we have three purposes here, right? First is to what? Glorify and honor Jesus Christ. Second, the great commission. And third is to edify the body. In other words, we get the benefit to be prepared for our own ministry that God calls us to. But the first, and we don't ever want to lose sight of the first, is the church is for Him. Are we not the bride of Christ? That's what the church is for, right? So who do we bring glory to? Who do we, who do we want to honor? What is this all about? This work is... You know what's just a pleasure? You know what's amazing? Is that God's called us to His work. He's called us to His work. He says, hey, I want you to be co-laborers with me. I've got an eternal work to do. I've got an eternal purpose and I'm going to allow you, David, I'm going to allow you, Solomon, I'm going to allow you, Israel, to get in on what I'm doing. Eternal work. Boy, we all, we, all get a, we all get a benefit out of work, but an eternal work, it's all about Him. That's why we come to church, right? Should be, our heart should be, hey, we come here to, to meet with Christ. We come here to meet with God, and we come to meet with those uh, in the body of Christ and fellowship, and you know what we all have in common here? We're not all we're not all from the same backgrounds. We don't all have the same perspectives. We don't all have to look the same and act the same. We really don't. But what brings us together, and what why we can set our differences aside, is because of Jesus Christ. It's because of Him, and He is first and foremost in our lives. David, He led by example. I like that. Don't you? I like people like David. David, he he was always uh, he was always strong and do it type. I think of his his example in, in in this aspect, but his example, you know, David had the mighty men. I like I like thinking, studying, and reading about the mighty men. But David, he wasn't he wasn't uh, you know these mighty men. Some of them may have been stronger and mightier than David, but he wasn't intimidated by. Them. He helped them become as great as they could be. Unlike the leader before him, Saul, what did he do? He was intimidated by David, wasn't he? Instead of helping David become as great as he could, David, he's one of these guys that he, he, he led by example. I think of the verse, he says, uh, for a day in the courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper of the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. I was studying and reading about a little bit this man and his wife named C.T. Studd. They were missionaries to China, India, and Africa. C.T. Studd, he inherited a, a huge sum of money. And he gave it all, almost all of it away. He had a whole fortune away. He gave to ministries like Moody and George Mueller and orphanages and stuff like this. Gave it all away. He saved a small fortune for when he got married and when he got married, he told his wife about it. And you know what she said? Give the rest of it away. And they went and spent their life for the Lord and the eternal purpose as missionaries around the world and saw great work, great many people come to know Christ. And it's people like that that give quotes that he says so much power. C.T. Studd said, forward ever, backward never. 
He said this, he said, some wish to live within the sound of church and chapel bell. He said, I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. This, that's, that's my kind of guy. Just get in there and let's get it done. That's who David was. David created that culture. He created a culture of fighting the bad guys with the mighty men. He created a culture of giving here for the people. And then the people followed. They followed him. 1 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 9. Look at this. He says, And the people rejoiced. For that they offered willingly, because with a perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced with great joy. Can you see this? Can you picture this congregation, this people together? All of them having a willing heart, and a, or a perfect heart and a willing mind. And the joy, and the rejoicing. Isn't it, you know, isn't it wonderful to be able to serve God because you want to? have to because we want to a willing heart a perfect a perfect heart a willing mind willing but being willing is half the battle isn't it saying lord i'm willing what could what could god do does god have a great work out there let me ask you we've all been called to the great commission right we've all been called the fishers of men is there is there too many folk fishermen uh, fishermen out there i mean is there a great work to be done is my point so what's God looking for? He's looking for some folks that are willing. Lord, I'm willing. I've got a heart that's ready. I've got a mind that's willing. He said, what do they give up? They gave of what they had received. Look at this. 1 Chronicles 29, 14. He says, but who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee. And of thine own have we given thee. <laughs> we don't give anything to the Lord that He didn't give to us first. We're, look, we're all recipients of God's undeserved grace, undeserved blessing, all the things that He has given to us. He's been good to us, hasn't He? I mean, He's been good to us. If, you live, <laughs> if we live in America, He's been good to us. He's going to try our hearts, though. He says this in verse, verse 17 of 29. He says, I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart have I willingly offered these things. And now have I seen with joy thy people, which are, are, are present here, to offer willingly unto thee. God, He's going to try our hearts. He will. He'll see. He'll look in. When I think of a when I think of a perfect heart, you got to begin where? You got to begin with a new heart. Where does a new heart come from? That's what the Lord wants to give us. That's salvation. Jesus said, "What? What did He say? He said, you must be born again.' What's it mean to be born again? It means to be born of God. It means to be born of an incorruptible seed. It means to be have new life come inside. We're not trying to take the old heart that is a sin nature and try and wash it and clean it all out. No, we need a new heart by grace, through faith. How do we receive that? We talked about it last week through the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us. It's a free gift. He offers, He offers salvation which is a new heart. David, he prayed the prayer in 
in Psalm 51, he says, created me, uh, uh, created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. You know, God's interested in the heart. Isn't He? He, he truthfully, honestly, is not interested in, in necessarily what we can do for Him or what we can give to Him, but He's interested in our heart. He doesn't need our money. David gave a bunch of money here, but God didn't need his billions. It was nothing. He really didn't. Money, it can be evil or it can be good. You can be used for either one. It's the love of it. It's the love of it that is sinful. And you can love money and have lots, little or none. That's the truth. It doesn't matter where you're at on that spectrum. But money can be a gauge a window into the heart to see spiritually. In, in, in Timothy, it talks about the elders of the church, pastors and deacons. They're not to be greedy, a filthy lucre. Paul, tell, Paul tells uh, Timothy, he says, hey, to the church there, charge them that are rich in this world. This is what Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded. In other words... In other words, it tells me that there were rich people in the church. Or he wouldn't have told Timothy to tell him this. And he says, hey, tell them not to be high-minded. Don't, don't be arrogant about it. Don't be proud in it. He said, don't trust in it. He says, tell them not to be high-minded. Or Let me just say this, too. When we say rich in this world, so many times, I don't know where your mind went, but everybody can go to someone that's richer than us. But let me just say, in this world, we're all rich. Everyone in this room, you live in America. You, 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 I mean, compared to that, you know, you doubt that, go, go just about anywhere and look around. God's entrusted us with a lot of resources. He truthfully has. He says, uh, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. Hey, if you're trusting in riches, that's a mistake. But in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Don't feel guilty about what you got. Hey, God gave it to you to enjoy, but don't trust in it. He says that they do good and that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may uh, lay hold on eternal life. In other words, he says, encourage them for an eternal retirement. (laughs) For an eternal investment. The Bible tells us that in all labor, there is profit. There's, there's no, again, no problem with being wealthy or resourceful. Or all those sort of things gained uh, honestly and wisely managed. Uh, that's what we're supposed to do. But God wants our heart. We've read these verses and you guys know I'm Mark 12. 30 and 31, he says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy what? Heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other great, uh, commandment greater than these. God is interested in our heart. You know why? He's interested that He is our Lord and our Savior. When we call Him that, that's what, he's, that's what he wants to... He wants to know that he has us. 
Again, we're the bride of Christ. He says in, in Mark 6, verse 24, you cannot serve two masters. You can't. You either love the one or you hate the other. You can't serve God and money. Where's your heart at? Where's your treasure at? You say, oh, you're talking about money today. I'm really not. I'm talking about our hearts. For those of you that have been in Wellspring a long time, I, I, I don't think I've ever brought a message on money on a Sunday morning. So I don't talk about, I don't make a big deal about it. You know why I don't? Because it's not a big deal. It's really not. But our heart is a big deal. If we don't talk about our heart and our heart be toward God, then what else is there to talk about? Our, our relationship with the Lord. Wellspring, you're a giving church. I praise God for that. And that's what we want to stay. We want it to be a good spirit and a, and a good heart toward God, willing mind, a perfect heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 8, the Bible says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly, he's talking about money in the context, shall reap also sparingly. And he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Now, none of us here fall for that, you know, for lack of better terms, TV evangelism, that if you give this amount of money, God's going to bless you with all this sort of stuff. We don't buy into that. That's not truth. But there is a principle here that you only reap what you sow. That if you want to have a big crop, you've got to sow a big crop. He says this, Every man, verse 7, Every man according as he purposes in his heart, uh, let him give, not grudgingly, nor of necessity, for God loveth a what? Cheerful giver. That's a willing heart. We don't have to do this. Not grudgingly, not of necessity. Hey, he says at the verse after that, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound on every good works. You say, are you talking about money? No, money's the small stuff. We as Christians here in this church, we don't want to just get by. Do what we have to do to, say, check our box. In other words, we want to be all in Christians, right? I mean, don't you, don't you, want, to be all, don't you want all that God has for us? Well, that's not about money. That's about a heart. Long before David gave his money, David gave God himself. David gave himself. That whole context of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is talking about giving, talking about uh, collections. And he says in verse uh, 5 of that, he says, And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. That's what God's interested in, is us giving ourselves. You say, give everything to God? Yeah. Give everything to God. Our time, our talent, our our resources, everything, and then us be stewards over what God has. You say, why do we give? Because He gave. It's the same reason why we love. It's the same reason why we forgive. It's because He forgave. Let me ask you a question. As a Christian, as a Christian, are we one with Christ? We are, aren't we? So we're the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. We become one. When two people get married, what is his becomes hers, right? What is hers becomes his, correct? Is that not true? 
Did that happen to us when we accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior? Let me ask you, do you have ownership in heaven? Do you, are you a joint heir with Jesus Christ? When we read, when we read about New Jerusalem, those streets of gold, and those foundations made of precious stone, and all the glory and power and might that God has, is that not ours? He says it is, right? So what's our little bit to give to Him? He's given everything to us. Is there anything that He has not given to us? Is there anything that Christ is withholding from us? He hasn't, has He? And so what, what, do we, what do we owe Him? Because He first loved us, we love Him. I'm, talk, I'm not talking, don't misunderstand, I'm not talking about our money. I'm just saying sometimes that's an easy window into the heart. I am truthfully talking about heart and, and your whole self. Offering up your whole self to the Lord. That's kind of the next step. Many folks have accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. They said, Lord, I, I want you to save me. I want you to forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. And he'll do that. But I believe that there can be another step where we say, God, I, I am yours. God, I am yours. Everything that I have, my time, my talent, my everything, it's yours, God, and then I'll store it. When you say go here, I'll go there. When you say spend time on this, I'll spend time on this. When you say whatever, I, I just do. And you know, and this isn't the reason to give, and I'm, again, I'm not now just talking about money. This, I'm talking about money, time, resources, anything that's valuable to us. When we let go of it, and give Him control of it, it grows. It really does. So many times when we try and control our time, or we try and control... Let me ask, can God multiply our time? Can He multiply our efforts? Can He multiply us? Can He multiply anything that we need? He absolutely can, so give Him control. The Bible says in, in Proverbs, there's a verse in, in Proverbs, He says, uh, There is that scattereth, and yet increaseth. And there is that withholdeth more than his meat and tendeth to poverty. So what are we? Are we a church that have a perfect heart and a willing mind? What's it mean to have a perfect heart and a willing mind? You give it to God. You give your heart. He's yours. He can control you in any way, in any direction, whatever he wants. God has chosen you for a great work. I believe that. I believe that each and every person, we're all ministers. I, I believe that it's, it's not just here in this building. Uh, it would be small thinking. It's when we leave here that God has all kinds of things for us to do, each as individuals in our circle of influence. He's got a purpose. He's got a mission for you. And He'll help you. But we have to be willing to allow it. We have to have a heart that's perfect toward Him. God gave us everything. He, he gave us His all. At the cross of Calvary. We don't, give, we don't give our lives, we don't give our resources to a project. Don't do that. Give, your, give yourself to a person. Jesus Christ. Why? Because He gave Himself for us.